Okay, now we can start. Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it, they will come. Joel, you seen that movie? Seen He's in the movie, Joe. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. Jordan Malley. Jordan, great to see you. Through our 670 score scope. Yep, where is he? And it's right over there, Bill. Did Matt Peck yeah. get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't know. No. I'll talk to D. Rose. Yeah, you got you. Matt, you will be getting your book soon. <laughs> Kick back and get ready for the best. Best hour of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked on Bulls podcast, Locked on Bulls starts now. The Locked on Bulls podcast. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked On Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line 331-979-1369. Drop your text, your voicemails, anything you got for us, 331-979-1369. That's what we're getting into today. Your voicemails, your text messages. So that's the place to drop all of your thoughts for us. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by Bill Bar. $10 off at B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com using the promo code Locked On. Matt, welcome back. Uh, we've. It looks like it's interesting on Twitter. It looks like there might potentially be a start date for some NBA basketball, at least according to what I saw from Spencer Dinwiddie's tweets. But first and foremost, how you doing? What's up, Jordan? What's up, Bulls Nation? Yeah, it looks like, uh, you know, I think I had mentioned something about it earlier this week in one of our other episodes that... I had been hearing uh, some some winds and whispers about the NBA coming back and and not just going straight to playoffs, but maybe some regular season basketball that our Bulls will have to finish, which I know I'm sure none of us are really looking forward to. Uh, as as excited as we are about this fresh start with the front office, if the Bulls have to come back and play regular season games, it means Jim Boylan, and it means probably I I can't like can you imagine the Bulls playing. Levine, Markkanen, Kobe White, even if they're healthy in these completely meaningless games, if they come back and play like eight or ten regular season games in the back end of July, like who wants to see that? Who wants to take that risk? Alicia is going to be getting 42 minutes a night. Well, hey, man, he, he needs to earn that eight mil. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. Yeah, it's going to be bizarre. And that's what I'm curious over the next couple of days. If there's going to be some pushback by players that are on teams that know that they're not going to the playoffs and why risk injury? You know, why go out there and play five games and then just to turn right back around, finish the season, go home? I don't know. Maybe some of those guys want to go out there and finish the season. But I don't know if you're on the Bulls. You're not really going for any awards. You're not you're not doing anything individually. Why would you want to go back out there and play? So, I mean, we might even just see skeleton rosters similar to what we saw last year in March. We were watching, God, like Walter Lemon Jr. and Cristiano Felicio play in those games. So that's what I would assume would come back and maybe, maybe you get a little bit of a workload from some of the core guys, but I can't see them playing those guys regular normal minutes, if any. No, and I mean... We've heard recently in, in various interviews from those key players like Zach and Kobe, who, you know, Zach was on the shelf for a while towards the end of our, our March games, and Kobe finally got a start. Kobe was playing lights out. And they've both said recently in various interviews, like, they want to play. They want to come back and play. They're itching to play. At the same time, the Bulls have to be realistic, and the the new front office needs to protect their investments 
And regardless of whether or not they see a future with all of these young pieces of the quote-unquote core, they still can't risk injuring them and making them untradeable. So, like, regardless of whether or not they see Levine, Kobe, Wendell, and Lowry as the future, or they see them as future trade pieces, either way, the risk just seems completely unnecessary. I wonder if it's... If it's the only way I can see like Wendell or any of those guys going out there and playing is maybe here's five games to see what they look like, refresh front office's memory uh, leading into the offseason so you can maybe start to talk about trading people and they haven't totally forgot about what the season looked like beforehand. I don't know. That could play both ways too. And again, who's going to really base a trade off of a five-game sample size? So I don't know. Maybe it's a little bit of a refresher. And it's not like I, I don't think they need to like play the starters, quote-unquote, to evaluate Jim Boylan like maybe in some way you would say well we got to give Jim Boylan a fair shot because we want to evaluate him and see how he coaches while we're paying attention and, and you know giving it a closer look I think we all know and I think that AK and Eversley know that Boylan is out and they're going to bring in their own coach so to me like just for the sake of you know uh, putting on a show to say well we got to give Jim Boylan a fair shot let's see how he does with these healthy players as healthy of a talented roster as possible it's like come on man we we all know what's going on here we all know Jim's done we don't need to risk these kids playing just so we could say well we gave Jim a fair shot that just seems completely stupid he's in the movie Joe there's a lot of banging going on Jim wants one more effort that's all that's all he wants he's well he wants one more shot at the glory to say, hey, I won 5-0 and uh, to, to round out the season, so let me keep my job. Uh, but it's short coaching news, too, Matt. I saw that there, Cardasovis is keeping around uh, Nate Lozner. I think that's how you say his last name, Nate Lozner, uh, who we talked about. I think, man, it's been almost like two years since we've discussed him at any length. Uh, but he was the Windy City Bulls coach in 2016-2017 before getting promoted and hiring hired to Fred Hoiberg's staff. So I remember going back, if you go back like... I don't know, maybe a year and a half, two years. We spent a whole episode on him, and you know, it seems like everybody likes him, but then again, everybody says that, right? Yeah, it is interesting, though, to get these uh, these dominoes falling on Jim Boylan's staff. You know, we learned uh, earlier this week or maybe over the weekend that Sean Respert is out, and now we're hearing that uh, Nate Lesnar uh, is in, and you got to just wonder when the big domino of Jim Boylan is going to come. Because if they're going to start making decisions about the other pieces of his staff, who they want to keep, who they want to get rid of. We've heard also from uh, Joe Cowley um, when he did an interview on, on 670 like last week or whenever that was, that it sounds like maybe they might be looking to keep Chris Fleming. But then we haven't really heard anything about Fleming when we've been hearing these other uh, names as far as uh, two other names being dropped and confirmed, one staying, one going. So we'll see. And I know Bulls fans uh, are all just waiting for the, for the big name um, and hoping and assuming that 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 big name of the head coach is being is going to get told to move on <laughs> can't come soon enough for some people and and there's some people on Twitter that are doing what are you doing bro I like there's a ton of that right now even watching some of these pieces fall like pieces that don't necessarily even really need to matter to Jim Boylan or to this coaching staff long term are either getting signed and kept or shown the door so I don't know it's it's going to be interesting um, let's get to 
Let's get to our mailbag. Let's get to text messages, voicemails, anything you got for us. 331-979-1369 is the place to hit us up. Before we do that, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Built Bar. You guys have heard about Built Bar by now. You know Built Bar by now, and they have been a fantastic sponsor of ours all month long. And they continue to be our sponsor of the Locked On Bulls podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network all month long. You can use the promo code Locked On at checkout for $10 off B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. They have 16 different flavors, low carb, low calorie, high in protein, and it's the perfect snack to get you in between meals. Uh, maybe you're on a diet, maybe you're watching your weight, maybe you need something, maybe you need just you need your chocolate fix and you don't want to end up blowing it by, I don't know, eating 800 to 1,000 calories in a chocolate bar in one sitting. Built Bar can satisfy that craving and also give you the energy you need uh, to live your life right now. BuiltBar.com, that's B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. Use $10, locked on, $10 off. The promo code, locked on, $10 off at BuiltBar.com. I'm a big fan of their peanut butter flavor. You guys check it out. Maybe buy a variety box. Check out every single one of their 16 different flavors and decide which one's your favorite. Again, $10 off using the promo code locked on at builtbar.com. When you guys sponsor, when you guys support our sponsors, you support us. So we appreciate everybody who's decided to pick up some built bars uh, while you're staying quarantined. Um, Matt, let's go to a text message first. We only got one voicemail to play today, so let's uh, let's hit the first voicemail. It's the most recent thing we've gotten in here. I tweeted out right before we recorded, see if we get any last-minute asks, but uh, this one is this is one short and sweet. It's from the 309. It said, should the Bulls drop Jim Boyle? Uh, I mean, duh. <laughs> like, what are, we, what are we talking about here? Who's, who's still on the fence with this other than Jim Boylan? And Jim Boylan's family. And apparently also the Reinsdorfs. And maybe Cowley. It may be Cowley. I think Cowley secretly likes him. You know, I think he's got, I think, like, even go back to your interview and uh, you talked with him for, like, over an hour. He did kind of admit he likes Jim Boylan and thinks, thinks he's a decent guy, but uh, it, he just got a bad shake and that, too, and just some of the things he says. I mean, I don't need to rehash it, but, yeah, I would say 99.9% of Bulls fan base is saying, yeah, let's get rid of Jim Boylan. So that one's pretty easy. Okay, Matt, this is on. This is about the hypothetical we had the other day about which would be more likely to win uh, the Bulls' seventh or eighth championship if they decided if you could rewrite history, whether it be in 94 or at the back end of the six championships after the 98 season. Uh, It says, you guys were both talking about what happened. if Jordan hadn't retired during these two years, the Rockets were champions or if they would have won in the lockout season. I pulled the head-to-head matchups versus the Bulls and Rockets teams from 88 to 98. Overall, the Bulls were 10 and 10 versus the Rockets, 3 and 7 during the first three-peat and then 7 and 3 during the second three-peat. They were a terrible matchup for the Bulls and I think Hakeem's teams might have gotten the best of them at least at, at least once. Additionally, over the same 10-year stretch, the Bulls were 13 and 7 versus the Spurs with three of those games going to OT and the Bulls winning so much closer than the record suggests. And this was before they had Tim Duncan. So they had somehow made it to the finals in 99 between Robinson and Duncan. I think they would have had an even worse matchup than Hakeem and the Rockets. Just my two cents was curious to hear your guys's thought. That was from Eddie eight, four, seven. Um, that's that, those are some, that's some pretty good stats to back up uh, the ideology there. All I would say is 
Phil Jackson, I heard uh, one of the beat writers say that Phil Jackson told him that his dream was to match up against the Rockets and Hakeem. He felt like that the Bulls had a good team to match up against them. Yeah, and like we, we've we heard that from, you know, Kenny the Jet Smith and all of his various ramblings for TV and other things that he he believes that they would have taken the Bulls to had the Bulls made it to the finals in 94 or 90, and or 95. I, I do think it was a tough matchup, um, and Hakeem was just, unguardable unstoppable he was he was a force man I you know when people talk about the greatest centers of all time I always uh am am keen to put Hakeem at the top um his his footwork was just magic man I loved watching him play when I was a kid I do think it would have been tough for the Bulls um and then uh you know the our texture brings up in San Antonio in 99 with a young Tim Duncan and a still fairly useful uh, but a, albeit aging David Robinson, the Twin Towers, like that team was deep and that team was stacked. And Bulls fans like to say, well, of course the Bulls would have gotten back to the finals in 99. You know, if you're only playing a 50-game lockout Jordan season and they manage things well and people stay relatively healthy because like, what are they, like the, the eight-seeded Knicks ended up going from the East. So yeah, the Bulls probably could have made their way through the East, but could they have beaten the Spurs? I, I don't know. I'm I'm not convinced. What I would say in either case, whether you're talking about the the mid '90s Rockets or the the '99 Spurs, don't put too much stock into those regular season records. I have never believed that there is a correlation between how teams fare against one another in the regular season matchups and then in a best of seven playoff series, especially when you're talking about a Western Conference team that over the span of you know a decade plus you only play a dozen or so times. Um, so, and uh, rosters change over the great course of that. And, you know, even as our texture pointed out, the record the Bulls had against the Spurs in that, you know, era was even really before Duncan arrived. So, I mean, another thing that I think about is the Bulls sweeping the Heatles in the first Heatles season in 10-11 when the Bulls go to the conference finals and get bounced in five games. The Bulls went undefeated 3-0 and against that Miami Heat team in the regular season and then lost the best of five. So many different factors, so many different things go into a best of seven series, coaching, game to game adjustments, um, and and those matchups that get more and more complicated with each game that progresses. So, I, I like regardless of what you think, how those teams would stack up in the playoffs. I don't think regular season records really have all that much to do. I would agree with you. It's just the different switch that's turned on. To we talk about it even in modern day with the playoffs, those guys just it's a different type of game because you're playing the same people over and over again as opposed to at most playing a back-to-back against somebody or maybe three times in in a month span but that's even rare I think the Bulls played the Charlotte Hornets three times in the first like six weeks of the season and that was a bit bizarre I was like I'm tired of seeing Charlotte I'm tired of having to go back and forth with a miserable Hornets team so but the I said it when we were talking about this. I think it would have been more likely for them to beat the Spurs than it would have been to beat the Rockets. Just because I think about not taking any factors away other than Jordan deciding not to retire. And maybe that changes things with Horace Grant and he comes back. Or maybe it doesn't at at that time. But regardless, I think the mental space where MJ was at that time right after his dad had died and all of the speculation coming around the gambling... Like that can almost be more crushing than a physical injury. Physical injury you can play through, but 
I mean, you're beaten down psychologically. I mean, look at what it does to some of the best athletes in the world. We see the case time and time again. So I feel like that, in part, with everything else was going on, maybe they had a stronger supporting cast around him after the third championship. That could be argued definitely, but I don't know. I felt like MJ would have been in a terrible mindset, and it maybe even would have caused a chain reaction for those other three three championships not to happen. So... There's a lot of factors in it, but that's how I would play it out in my head. Yeah, and you know, like the other uh, factor that I think Bulls fans don't like to think about when some people say, oh man, if MJ didn't walk away, they could have won eight in a row. Like everyone on either of those teams that won three in a row say whenever they're asked, like that's crazy. No. You know how hard it is to win three in a row? You know how hard it is to win back to back? There's a reason it doesn't happen that often. Um, we've even just seen recently the fatigue that's finally struck the Warriors after all their trips to the finals. Um, it's not easy to get all the way back to the finals and then win it. And as far as roster construction, I don't know if the Bulls had anybody that could slow down Hakeem if they were to face Houston in those final series. Whether or not MJ was there, you know, say it was 94 and he wasn't there, the Bulls would be hard-pressed without MJ's, you know, individual brilliance to win that series and then even if the Bulls had gotten past Orlando and gotten back to the finals in 95 like who on that Bulls 95 roster is stopping Akeem I don't like you know no offense to Luke Longley and Bill Wennington and Will Perdue but not happening dude all right Jordan before we continue on with our mailbag wanted to tell our locked on Bulls listeners about one of my newest favorite life hacks. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. And when you don't have that free time, you can't read or work on your personal development. There's an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Blinkist takes the key, best takeaway, need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Successful people are well-known for reading a lot of books. Blinkist is made for busy people like you, like me, who want to get the main points of a book quickly so you can start using that information right away. And with its audio feature, Blinkist makes it easy to finish a book during your commute. Even now that we're not commuting, you can do it on your lunch break while you're exercising at home. 12 million people are using Blinkist right now. and has a massive and growing library from self-help, business, health, to history books. Blinkist has the latest titles from bestseller lists as well as the classic nonfiction titles you always meant to read but never had time to. I love Blinkist because it allows me to take a break from all of the columns, all the books, all of the podcasts that I ingest in the, uh, related to the sports world. And especially now that the doc is over, the Bulls front office news is a little less uh, hyped than it was just a few weeks ago, I'm finding that I actually do have a little bit of time to do, you know, ingest information that is not sports related. Uh, and that's where Berlinkus comes in. It's been a lot of fun to kind of get those breaks and, and learn some new things and do some self-improvement. And here's the best part. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books, all the books you want, and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our Locked On Polls audience. Go to Blinkist.com NBA to try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com slash NBA to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash NBA. Matt, according to Craig Elo, Ron Harper made up the the 
idea that he wanted to guard MJ at, on the at eight, in 89 said that every one of the Cavs teammates says otherwise. And Craig Elo says that Ron Harper and MJ made up that story completely and are full of shit. You know what Ron Harper would say to that? Yeah, all right. Well, yeah, okay. Bullshit. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know, man. That's pretty interesting. I mean, I could see why they would want to glorify a story like that, but uh, damn, that's pretty funny. Coming from the guy that got the shot on him. I mean, do I do I think it's possible that there's a lot of revisionist history going on with this documentary? Yes. Yes, I do. That's a bunch of crap. Hi, this is Casey calling from Philly. Um, Glenbard West alum, though, so shouts to better at baseball in uh, Glen Ellen. Uh, but I wanted to uh, call with just a uh, bit of like a thought of experiment since we're in the uh, dog days of uh, no sports here. Um, let's say that, uh, you know, Eversley and Karnasovas do their job. We do the Nets rebuild. We've got some um, great complementary pieces in some combination of Levine, Markin, and Kobe White. Um, uh, and they're out there looking for a big name free agent to come in, um, again, following that Nets route. Um, L.A. has the Hollywood angle. They've got the, um, the high profile. Miami has the beaches, the low taxes. New York has the garden and that aura, if that still exists. What do we have to offer to, you know, free agents that, that might not other in other places, knowing that it's a player's league and it's more about than just money. So my question was, you know, what could we look at? And I was wondering if there might be an opportunity to sell political influence as a future career. Um, a lot of guys, uh, Jalen Brown, very vocal politics, that sort of thing. And Chicago has a great history. There's a well-known former president just out the road, uh, history of electing um, uh, black elected officials to high offices, um, good jumping off point. Is that a selling point possibly to certain free agents who might want to come? So uh, that's just a question, something to think about. And if not that, what is the unique thing that Chicago has to offer beyond a max contract that might bring people to the city? Thanks much. I can tell you the first thing that's not the selling point, it's Jim Boylan. But I will say all the changes that the Bulls have made over the last, I don't know, what, six weeks or so are are, are a couple great steps forward in the direction free agents want to want to see. I mean, I, heard, I think I heard Kendrick Perkins say like about a month ago, he said, depending on what you do with this coaching situation, whether you bring Jim Boylan back next year or you decide to hit the reset button, depending on who you hire when you hit the reset button, it could change the minds of free agents overnight. It's happened before in the league. So uh, the idea, though, I don't know about you, Matt, but the idea that that Gen Z or even guys in my generation want political influence. I don't think that's something that's top of mind for a lot of guys in the NBA. Maybe if you're talking about just influence overall, longevity in terms of a character or having some type of role after their careers over in media or, or brands it certainly makes sense here in Chicago. I mean, think about these are two big, big distinctions, but Ditka has a bunch of restaurants here. Joe Madden had a restaurant when he was here. Uh, Michael Jordan's got a couple restaurants here. There's a bunch of guys that are former athletes from Chicago that may not have been the superstars here, but guys that have stayed around a long time have made names for themselves after their careers too. And the Bulls, again, 
one of the big downfalls we we hit the bulls on so hard is is they, I, I they take say, care of their guys yeah I, like it, it's one thing to say okay well here's your opportunity to not only enjoy your playing career here but then have a, a successful retirement you know second phase of your professional career as uh uh you know uh, unlimited number of business opportunities as a you know a public figure and a celebrity who would stay in the city and have all these business opportunities um and and some of as you've noted have done that i think there's a difference between that and what our callers talking about as far as like potential for a political career um if i'm understanding his idea correctly because whereas Yes, athletes now are a little bit more vocal in the world of politics today than they used to be. And, of course, you know, that was uh, a thing that we saw in the documentary, like Michael Jordan not speaking up about the, the congressional race in North Carolina in 1990 when a, you know, a young up-and-coming African-American uh, Democrat was going up against basically like a vile, known racist Republican can uh, incumbent candidate. So, um like, yes, there are things that, that uh, NBA players are doing um, and black NBA players are doing to voice their opinions about things like social justice and, and civil rights and things of that nature in today's NBA. But as far as that being like a, a pitch, a part of a pitch for free agency, I think that's a bit of a stretch. I think the Bulls' priority, first and foremost – is fixing the the tarnished image of a once proud franchise and they've started to do that by finally ousting certain people and bringing in fresh faces to help them get their basketball back on track because what do players want they want to win certainly they want to win with players they want to play with and they want to do it in ideally a big market city that can make them a lot of money so the Bulls have some of that stuff. They have big market. They have the opportunity to make a lot of money in a big sports city like Chicago. But the Bulls first have to get back the respectable basketball franchise part. And that, I think, way before anything about, well, come to Chicago, play, and then when you retire, you know, you can have these connections that you've made here to further your aspirations beyond your playing career. I think that stuff is much farther down the road in the minds of NBA free agents other than the present and immediate future of who can I play with, can we win, and how much money can we make while doing so. I think popularity is still a big one too. Guys want to be popular, and you can do it. You can be more easily exposed now than you could say back even in the 90s. So there's definitely opportunity for that, and that's an interesting take, Matt, because I, I guess maybe I just – didn't interpret the question that way at first, but that certainly makes some sense. I don't, again, I'm not trying to sell Gen Z and my generation short, but I mean, we're talking about two completely different generations and guys that, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of any of the guys or any of the athletes right now in the NBA outside of their careers, after their careers are over, have have really had any any type of that type of influence to the point where it would be yeah that's why I wanted to go there I wanted to influence that place other than maybe guys that are going home you know but that's very far in few cases guys that are going home to play for their franchises on top of that being able to do things off the court those are certain certain circumstances I think uh, and those are far and few between so I think the selling point here in Chicago though is first and foremost what you just did in changing the front office you start to eat away all that rot that's in there. It, 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 they have to do it from inside out first. You can't just keep patching things. 
it's like it's like the city of Chicago with the potholes. You can't just keep filling those potholes every single time until you actually repave the road. There's going to be disaster sooner or later. I mean, people aren't going to want to drive on those roads. People aren't going to join the bulls. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. So, but I think Main Street's still all cracked and broken. Sorry, Mom. The mob has spoken. <laughs> Monorail. Oh, my God. I was, I was driving on Michigan Avenue, and they're repaving those. Sorry, I couldn't resist. resist. You see, anytime anyone says the word pothole, I think of the Monorail episode <laughs> of The Simpsons. Oh, it's, it's bad, man. It's bad in the city right now, but... Uh, that that's what it is and your selling point is you actually have some good young pieces here to play around Zach Levine is a borderline all-star and he's connected around the NBA so you have a player that is I mean Jimmy Butler three years ago would have been the better player to do this but he's the guy right now that can help you actually recruit and you bring in a coach to pair alongside that I mean you got fresh faces all over the place new perspective and and don't tell me it may have had a little bit of a negative impact, but this this ten do- part documentary reminds people how special the Bulls are, at least at this moment. So the Bulls need to capitalize on this. So outside of the city, man, and and the passion for this this organization and the legacy and everything that we talk about, the Bulls have been selling us forever. I mean, it's the new front office, it's the young pieces around here, actually having a legit shot to if you're young enough to get paid and also be the face of this franchise. We're still looking for that. Yeah. Well, uh, appreciate the call, Casey. Um, once again, shout out to Batter Up Baseball. May it rest in peace, uh, downtown Glen Ellen. And hey, another uh, Glenbard West l- alumni calling into the pod. Go Hilltoppers. Woo! Uh, oh, man, our sports team sucked back in the day. I don't I don't think any uh, Glenbard West Hilltoppers went to the NBA, uh, as, far as, as far as I can recall. Um, uh, yeah, well, you know. These these things are are tough tough to achieve. Um, all right, Jordan, let's take another text message before we get out of here. This one comes to us from David in Charlottesville, Virginia, who says number ninety one in black and red is iconic. I think the Bulls need to reconsider hanging that up in the rafters next to twenty three and thirty three. Uh, Dennis Rodman is a Hall of Famer, all time elite rebounder, defender, and the third parentheses real alpha of championships four, five, and six. There is no second three peat without him. If nothing else, the decision would be would build upon trying to reclaim a positive image for the franchise. Your thoughts are appreciated and go Bulls. Um, thanks for checking in, David. I've, I've certainly heard this idea posed a number of times, whether or not the Bulls should retire Dennis Rodman's jersey. Um, as an avid, diehard Rodman fan, as you know me to be, Jordan, I would be okay with it. I'm not like, you know... I'm not picketing outside the United Center, you know, in the dead of winter saying, put Rodman's jersey in the rafters. Um, but I think if they decided to do so, you can you can absolutely make the argument that it's deserved. But then the one thing I would say to that is, yeah, Dennis is a Hall of Famer and had a Hall of Fame career outside the Bulls. But are three seasons, and yes, three championship seasons, enough to validate hanging in the rafters when, say, you know who was the third most important piece of a different three championship team whose name and number is not in the rafters is Horace Grant. So playing essentially the same roles in the two different three P teams, if you put Dennis's number up there, do you also have to put the number 54 up there to honor Horace Grant? What are your thoughts on that? I think Rose's number goes up before both of those guys. Oh, get out of here. That is such a, Oh God. Okay. No, let's hear it. Let's hear the. Let's hear the Derek Rose number in the rafters. Take. There's, there's no question. I, it's ridiculous. I'm not. I'm not surprised that that's your take, and I'm gonna let you give it. But it's just like 
Dude hasn't even retired yet. No, I know. I agree. But I'm going along the timeline of the Bulls of retiring a jersey once every, what, 25 years or something. How many jerseys the Bulls have retired? Three? Four? It's MJ, MJ, Scotty, Scotty, Jerry Sloan, Sloan, and it's Bob Love. That's it. That's it. That's it. it. Four. Four. So, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that, that, that don't understand why there's probably, what, two, three, four, five guys that should have their numbers retired by now. I mean... I think you make a good point about Rodman and Grant. If you're gonna, if you're gonna give, I mean, Steve Kerr also too has an argument. If you're, if you're no, lumping Rodman, no, if you're no, lumping, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. I love Steve Kerr. The, uh, the idea of putting his number in the rafters is ludicrous. I mean, it's not that far off from talking about Dennis Rodman. Was how long here? He was here for what four seasons, three seasons, three seasons, three seasons. yeah. But he's he's a Hall of Famer. He was an all defensive first team player. He led the league in rebounding all three seasons he was here. Like Rodman, as our texter pointed out, there's a lot more on Rodman's resume, even in three short seasons, than a role player like Steve Kerr. Like that's ridiculous. Do not make that comparison. Take it from the idea that you're putting a guy's number in the in, in the rafters after only three seasons. Take it from that perspective. Think of how many big shots Steve Kerr has hit. How important he was to that second three-peat. We're talking about Bulls franchise history, not NBA franchise history. So, I don't know. I, that's where I'm at, though. I, back to, not even, forget Steve Kerr. Back to, I think, more likely, it is that we see a push for Rose's number before either of those guys. Do I think both, all three of those guys are qualified to have their numbers retired? Absolutely. 100%. And I find it wild that the Bulls use their, their retiring their numbers as some sacrecy you know like it, it's it's crazy if it was that way then Michael Jordan's number would be the only number retired in Bulls history if, if that's the way it should be but I mean you've got four numbers up there it's time to start celebrating some of these other players that have had a, a such an important role in your franchise's history I mean look I I gotta be careful I don't want the the young Bulls fans and our young listeners to get mad at me about Derek First, obviously, like you're 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 not retiring his number until he retires, if you're putting his number in the rafters. Even even then, this is how I I would try to pose the question to the diehard D Rose fans. And again, for a reminder, I am not the D Rose hater that Kendall Gill makes me out to be, and that some listeners of this podcast think that I am. I fell in love with Derek just like everybody else in this city, and I loved. He was, he was my most beloved bull since MJ, Scotty, and Rodman. By far, hands down. If if Derrick Rose is not the kid from Chicago, is there this same push to retire his number? On the resume of basketball games played alone, did Derrick Rose do enough in a Bulls jersey to have his number retired? Take away the kid from Chicago part. Do you retire his number? I think the answer, sadly, is no. And I'm not saying I don't understand that maybe there should be a part of the argument is the kid from Chicago that the whole city fell in love with and rallied around. But this city fell out of love with Derrick Rose just as quickly. I know people don't like to be reminded of that, and I'm sure some of our listeners would if they look themselves in the mirror, realize maybe if I think back on what I have said about Derrick Rose with the injuries and all this and some of his comments got him in trouble with the media. Like, 
absence makes the heart grow fonder. And this city turned its back on Derrick Rose. So all of the stuff, oh, retired Derrick's number, bring Derrick back. How quickly we forget, man. And the, honestly, that shit bugs me. Because I defended Derrick Rose a lot longer than most people did when he was around. And now I'm just being realistic about what's best for Derrick and what's best for the Bulls. But when it comes to his resume, you know, the the nostalgia and the, the warm soft spot in our hearts of the whole kid from Chicago thing aside, did he do enough in his Bulls career to warrant a jersey number being retired? I'm not saying no. I'm just saying it's definitely not a certainty. It's not a given. It's not an automatic. And it, and to me, I don't think it's close to automatic. Take him out of Chicago. I'll answer that first with a follow-up question. What MV, What former MVP doesn't have their number retired by their that franchise that they won it with? I don't know what other former MVP is not on track to get into the Hall of Fame. Because the answer to that question is also just Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose is not on track to be a Hall of Fame player. He's not. He had a few very good seasons, and one of them was an MVP season. But Name somebody who's got their jersey retired that's not a Hall of Famer. Nick Collison. Well, there you go. Well, there you go. Man, the Thunder <laughs> love that guy. Man, the Thunder love that guy. <laughs> Nick love, Collison. Love, love Nick Collison. I would have to go back and do the research, and maybe I can this weekend, and I'll uh, try to fact check this. But uh, most decorated Bulls since Michael Jordan, Matt, joined Michael Jordan and Elton Brand is the only two other Bulls to win Rookie of the Year honors. He was the youngest MVP in 2011. And, and arguably, that four or five year stretch, the most beloved team he was on since those dynasty years. And then even after that, I mean, in the Bulls' entire history, you could put that team up with in the top three on the Mount Rushmore of teams for the Bulls that people loved. He was the face of that. I don't know, man. I just think it's more likely for his number to get retired than Horace Grant or Dennis Rodman, and that doesn't take anything away from either of those guys. But I'm I'm putting it in terms of the way the Bulls operate and think about how they retire their numbers, who gets to say who does who doesn't, and what would be more backed by fans, what would be more passionately backed by fans, and you already know the answer to that. Well, if you're going based on how the organization operates, the next number they're retiring is John Paxson's. There's so many small things that go into being a head coach in this league. I don't have Twitter. I don't do anything like that. And like, I mean, seriously, I wouldn't be surprised if Jerry Reinsdorf wanted John Paxson's number and name in the rafters before Derrick Rose's. I'm not just being a cynical asshole. You are a hater. <laughs> Your other favorite. I can't wait to get like magazine letter cutouts of a death threat in the mail from my, from our D Rose stand listeners in the next couple. What of are weeks. you doing, bro? I uh, I can't wait to spend the next. Uh, once we get this date official, and there's a bunch of stuff coming out right now about the NBA, Sham Sharani, and so is uh, Woj tweeting out a bunch of stuff. Oh, Matt, too. By the way, Tom Thibodeau, an entire hour with the Woj pod yesterday, which was really, really, really good. I will say this. It is the most personable I have ever heard Tom Thibodeau ever, ever. He, I think this, this short stint away from basketball and the clowning he got on when he tried to do the short stint with ESPN as an analyst, 
I think he got over that hump of not being able to talk to the media all the time. He's become a really personable guy now, at least in this interview it was. So maybe we can spend some time on that uh, at some point because he had some good stuff about the way things ended and uh, what he learned from Chicago in there. And he also revealed that the Bulls have a private film room with every single one of the practices in games from the Dynasty era. So maybe that's why Thibs just never left the Bulls facility as he was just down there watching tape the entire time. I would believe that. That's everything we've always heard about Tibbs is that that dude watches an insane, like impossible amount of NBA tape. Like that's all it he was, does. It, it's very good. And I know you'll like it. Uh, and our fans out there who love Tom Thibodeau will, will love it as well. Uh, but he goes into, to like the idea of having to take on the president role and also being a head coach at the time. So uh, very, very good stuff. We'll get into that at some point in the next couple of episodes. Uh, but I think that's going to be ice. Oh, my God. That's a bunch of crap. I think that's going to about do it here for Locked On Bulls. Thanks again to our sponsors, Blinkist and Built Bar, for sponsoring today's show. Built Bar, you can get $10 off using the promo code Locked On at checkout. That's B-U-I-L-T-B-A-R.com. And Blinkist, go to Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com slash NBA. Seven-day free trial and 25% off your subscription. Hit us up at 331-979-1369 if you want to be a part of the conversation, you want to leave us a voicemail, or you want to send us a text message, be a part of our weekly mailbags, you can do that at 331-979-1369. Hit us up on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley, at Bulls underscore Peck, and at Locked on Bulls. Oh, man, before we get out of here, we did have one thing uh, the our text line lit us up with, and I made the mistake of saying Warriors when we're talking about a hypothetical last mailbag and I said Warriors instead of Timberwolves with D'Angelo Russell uh, point still stands if you're listening to that it's just think about it in concept of the Timberwolves instead of the Warriors although the Warriors are trying to sell their their first round pick it looks like so we will have to definitely get into that uh, for Matt Pack I'm Jordan Malley Bulls Nation have a wonderful weekend we'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode for Jordan and Matt we are out deuces <laughs> so you listen to Jordan Malley and Matt Peck's Locked On Bulls podcast? I do. I do. Locked On Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA. For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com. 